We begin our worship in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please refer to your um, insert, and we will read responsibly Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Yet you are the Holy One, enthroned on the praises of Israel. They cried out to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not put to shame. All who see me laugh me to scorn. They curl their lips. They shake their heads. Yet you are the one who drew me forth from the womb and kept me safe on my mother's breast. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. They open wide their jaws at me like slashing in a roaring lion. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, and you have laid me in the dust of death. I can count all my bones while they stare at me and gloat. But you, O Lord, be not far away. O my help, hasten to my aid. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild bulls you have rescued me. You who fear the Lord, give praise all of you of Jacob's line give glory. Stand in awe of the Lord, all you offspring of Israel. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the Lord. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations shall bow down before God. For the of all 
Indeed, all who sleep in the earth shall bow down in worship. All who go down to the dust, though they be dead, shall kneel before the Lord. They shall proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying to them, The Lord has acted. Now let's go back to the prayer of the day and pause for a word of prayer. Almighty God, look with loving mercy on your family for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and to be given over to the hands of sinners and to suffer death on the cross, who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Tonight we have a meditation based upon the seven last words of our Lord. When I heard that you were intending to do this, I thought for a moment about an occasion that I could remember quite easily about someone's last words. My wife and I decided to join one of those bus tours that go out from Cedar Rapids and we took the tour to New York City. We'd always want to see the city, but we surely didn't want to drive there. So we hopped on this bus, and along with many other people, we enjoyed a tour of that big city and all the sights there. But on the way back, the bus driver took us off to a back road, a place that was kind of off the main drags and uh, out in the middle of the country someplace. He even had to ask for directions and then he found this place and we, and we looked at it. It was the place where Flight 93 crashed on 9-11. And there were 40 people on that airplane who died after it was hijacked by four members of Al-Qaeda. And uh, there isn't much there to see really other than the uh, memorial that had been erected by the federal government. The signs of the crash have been removed and the scorched grass is gone, of course. There was a big fire and there was uh, some disturbance of the soil, but all that had been restored. But the government has made a memorial site at that place. And there's a nice visitor center there with a large wall showing pictures of people who were the victims and then, of course, the typical gift shop. And the wall started high in one end and then drove down into the ground, describing in a way how that airplane came down and hit the earth and destroyed itself. And of course, the victims' pictures made it all come to life, but it was probably the most memorial, a memorable thing about the whole event was the phone messages that you could hear. You put on these earphones and there were recordings there from passengers who were using their phones because they knew that this plane had been hijacked and they'd been talking to people as they flew and they knew that this had happened in New York and that there was this incident in, in uh, Washington DC and they knew that they were probably going to be crashing into the White House or some other very important place. So when they were making their calls, they called to their children, to their wives, to all those people who were close to them, 
And this was their final words while they were alive. They were saying goodbye to their children, goodbye to their spouses, and declaring their love for them. It was a very sad thing to listen to. And then there were some brave calls from people who said they weren't going to go down without a fight. And they said, let's roll. You could hear that in the background. And they attempted to storm the cockpit and to take down those poor people who had hijacked the airplane. These were the last words that I still remember and I'll never forget. Now our Savior had last words too. And the followers of Jesus remembered them, counted them as very important. These utterances of Jesus as he hung upon the cross in the last part of his life. As you look at them, have you noticed that the first three of them, the first three utterances of Jesus were really not about himself, but about others. So typical of our Lord. He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It takes a heart more generous than mine to pray for those who nail you to a cross. And yet Jesus, in this hour of suffering, and uh, asked that their actions would not be held against them due to their ignorance. They did not know who he was, nor did they understand why he was here. And so we learn from him to forgive, even when it seems ridiculously generous and our hearts beg for revenge and justice. And we pray tonight, Jesus, teach us to forgive. Let us together now sing the first stanza of Were You There? The next utterance of Jesus was when he promised the life in paradise to the thief that hung beside him. Today you will be with me in paradise. When we think about that incident, we often focus on the thief. And we think how lucky he was. He's at the right place at the right time, and he ends up in paradise. What a wonderful thing. But to focus on the, on the thief 
is probably not to understand what really happened there or to appreciate what it meant. For this man showed some remarkable faith in Jesus and asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom. Maybe that was gallows humor. Perhaps it was the beginning of faith. Maybe he was just arguing with the other person hanging on the cross who berated Jesus and mocked him. We'll never know. But his prayer was answered with a blessing far beyond his request. A place in paradise with Jesus today. Now what we see there is not so much a remarkable faith in Jesus, although that's to be appreciated, but it's also a remarkable demonstration of Jesus' power. And if we think about the event focusing on Jesus, we begin to understand how awesome this statement is. For here is Jesus who's got the power through one few or through a few words to usher this person into paradise. Immense power to do such a thing. So when we see the end of our life coming, we might dare to ask the same thing of our Savior. Remember me. And praying to the one with great power should be an assurance to us. The power to snatch us from the jaws of death. The power to defeat sin and evil. And with a single word, Jesus is able to transport you to the place of many rooms and the mansions above. For there God has prepared a place for those who love God. May our last breath be a similar plea. Remember me. We'll sing the second stanza. Thirdly, Jesus cared for his mother. He said to her, Woman, behold your son. And he said to John, his disciples, Behold your mother. Now in Bible times, women needed to be cared for, for in that society they were little more than possessions of men. And on the cross, suffering terribly, we see that Jesus makes arrangements for John to care for his mother. We are embedded in families from our youth and from our birth, and it's God's way of providing care for us when we desperately need it. We're very helpless when we're born. And so we need that support and nurture, and we need someone to guide and help us grow and to develop a sense of right and wrong 
and to defend to develop a sense of ownership of, of the truth of God and to be the kind of person God intends us to be. And so we must always thank our parents. They may not have been perfect, but I'm sure they did the best they could. And they are all part of that bond of love and blood that makes us who we are. And we vow to care for those who have cared for us, overlooking some of their faults, realizing that perhaps they too were sinners, but we remember how they cared for us in our youth. There'll be an instrumental verse now. from Jesus on the cross are evidence of his humanity. The first was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A quotation from Psalm 22, which we read earlier in the service. We confess that Jesus was true man born of his mother Mary, and that Jesus is truly human. That's a vitally important part of our doctrine of the church, for if Jesus were only a spirit or only a a ghost giving the appearance of humanity, God was not truly incarnate, if that were true. God chose wisely to redeem this world from the inside out. And to do that, he, he, it required that God uh, take on flesh and blood, just like you and me. And thus we see Jesus struggling with feelings of despair and hopelessness, just as we have those moments, even days of darkness and trial, and when it all seems hopeless to us. And when we are in the pit of despair, we can cry out in the words of the psalm, out of this pit I cry unto you, O Lord, hear my voice. And we can be assured that Jesus has been there too, that everything we feel, Jesus has felt. He knows our joy, he knows our pain, he knows our hopes and our struggles and our despairs, for he is truly human, and he has faced every test and trial that we face today. And so he can walk with us, for he knows us, he understands us. Let us sing verse 3.
along with the feelings that test us and stress us, there are also the physical needs that we have. I thirst, Jesus said. This is further evidence of his humanity. His mouth was dry, his body cried out for cool water, and he did not get water but only sour wine on a sponge atop a stick. This is more evidence of his humanity. For he knew hunger, he knew thirst and pain, and he felt the sting of the whip. He is embodied, God embodied. Let us sing verse 4. The last two words from the cross are about fulfilling the Father's will and accomplishing his mission on this earth. First he said, it is finished. And we've wondered, the Christian community has wondered and talked about what he meant by that. What did he finish? What did he accomplish? Classical Christianity has taught that it is in three parts. The thing that he accomplished is three different things. The work of a prophet, a priest, and a king. Jesus' work was prophetic because he taught the will and purpose of God for all of humanity. And his priestly work is written carefully in Isaiah 53. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. This is called the atonement. And that was the work of a priest. And because Jesus vanquished the power of death, he now rules as a king. And we become his subjects. That is his kingly role. And so he finished, he completed, he accomplished all of this. And yet simply knowing this is not enough for we must take the next step and believe and trust that Jesus did that for me, that he accomplished it for my, on my behalf. And then it becomes personal. And then it creates a love in our hearts for the God we serve. There'll be an instrumental verse next.
And finally, Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit. In many ways, death is a surrender to our mortality. We are no longer able to live or control anything around us. And so we place our body and soul into the hands of God, trusting in his love and power, and depending upon God to keep us safe until the day of resurrection. It is comforting to know, of course, that those who surrender to God are safe from all the powers and all the evils of this world and from all authorities, free from every disease, every sorrow, every pain. In many ways, it's going home to a safe harbor that is beyond the reach of any storm. And so our prayer is, may we all be ready at our last day to say, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let us sing the last verse, number five. Please pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may depart and await the resurrection of our Lord. Liturgy, copyright 2021, Augsburg Fortress, all rights reserved. Music and lyrics reprinted with permission under one license, number A-729734, all rights reserved.